Welcome to Volume 3 of Sky Island. Chapter 6 The Six Snub-Nosed Princesses The Boolaroo was laughing and dancing around in front of them, as if well pleased with himself. For a moment, the prisoners could not imagine what had happened to them. But presently, half a dozen blueskins, resembling in shape and costume their ruler, but less magnificently dressed, stepped in front of them and bowed low to the Boolaroo. "'Your orders, most mighty, flighty, tidy, righty monarch, have been obeyed,' said the leader. "'Very well, Captain. Take that umbrella and carry it to my royal treasury. See that it is safely locked up. Here's the key, and if you don't return it to me within five minutes, I'll have you patched.' The captain took the key and the magic umbrella and hastened away to the palace. Button Bright had already hooked the ropes to the elephant trunk handle, so that when the captain carried away the umbrella, he dragged after him first the double seat, then Captain Bill's seat, which was fastened to it, and finally the lunch basket, which was attached to the lower seat. And every few steps, some of these would trip up the captain and cause him to take a tumble. But as he had only five minutes' time and wished to perform his errand, he would scramble to his feet again and dash along the path until a board or basket tripped him again. They all watched him with interest until he had disappeared within the palace, when the king turned to his men and said, Release the prisoners. They are now safe and cannot escape me. So the men unwound the long cords that were twined around the bodies of our three friends and set them free. These men seemed to be soldiers, although they bore no arms except the cords. Each cord had a weight at the end, and when the weight was skillfully thrown by a soldier, it wound the cord around anything in the twinkling of an eye and held fast until it was unwound again. Trot decided these blueskins must have stolen into the garden when summoned by the bells the Boolaroo had rung. But they had kept out of sight and crept up behind the bench on which our friends were seated until a signal from the king aroused them to action. The little girl was greatly surprised by the suddenness of her capture, and so was Button Bright. Cap'n Bill shook his head and said he was afeard they'd get into trouble. Our mistake, he added, was stopping to eat our lunch, but it's too late now to cry over spilt milk. I don't mind. Well, not much, anyhow, asserted Trot bravely. We're in no hurry to get back. Are we, Button Bright? Well, I'm not, said the boy. If they hadn't taken the umbrella, I wouldn't care how long we stopped in this funny island. Do you think it's a fairy country, Trot? Can't say I'm sure, she answered. I haven't seen anything here that yet reminds me of the fairies, but Cap'n Bill said a floating island in the sky was sure to be a fairyland. I think so yet, mate, returned the sailor. But there's all sorts of fairies, I've heard. Some is good and some is bad. And if all the blueskins are like their Boolaroo, they can't be called first class. Don't let me hear any more impudence, prisoners, called the Boolaroo sternly. You are already condemned to severe punishment, and if I have any further trouble with you, you're liable to be patched. What's being patched? inquired the girl. The soldiers all laughed at this question, but the king did not reply. Just then a door in the palace opened, 
and out-trooped a group of girls. There were six of them, all gorgeously dressed in silken gowns with many puffs and tucks and ruffles and flounces and laces and ribbons, everything being in some shade of blue, grading from light blue to deep blue. Their blue hair was elaborately dressed and came to a point at the top of their heads. The girls approached in a line along the garden path, all walking with mincing steps and holding their chins high. Their skirts prevented their long legs from appearing as grotesque as did those of the men, but their necks were so thin and long that the ruffles around them only made them seem the more absurd. Oh, said the king with a frown, here come the six stub-nosed princesses, the most beautiful and aristocratic ladies in Sky Island. They're snub-nosed all right, observed Trot, looking at the girls with much interest. But I think it would make him mad to call him that. Why? asked the Boolooroo in surprise. Is not a stub nose the highest mark of female beauty? Is it? asked the girl. Most certainly. In this favored island, which is the center of the universe, a snub nose is an evidence of high breeding which any lady would be proud to possess. The six snub nosed princesses now approached the fountain and stood in a row, staring with haughty looks at the strangers. "'Goodness me, your majesty!' exclaimed the first. "'What queer, dreadful creatures are these? Where in all the sky did they come from?' "'They say they came from the earth, Cerulea,' answered the Boolooroo. "'But that is impossible,' said another princess. "'Our scientists have proved that the earth is not inhabited.' "'Your scientists will have to guess again, then,' said Trot. But how did they get to Sky Island? inquired the third snub-nosed one. By means of a magic umbrella, which I have captured and put away in my treasure chamber, replied the Boolooroo. What will you do with these monsters, Papa? asked the fourth princess. I haven't decided yet, said the Boolooroo. They're curiosities, you see, and may serve to amuse us, but as they're only half-civilized, I shall make them my slaves. What are they good for? Can they do anything useful? asked the fifth. We'll see, returned the king impatiently. I can't decide in a hurry. Give me time, Azure. Give me time. If there's anything I hate, it's a hurry. I've an idea, your majesty, announced the sixth snub-nosed princess, whose complexion was rather darker than that of her sister's. It has come to me quite deliberately, without any hurry at all. Let us take the little girl to be our maid, to wait upon us and amuse us when we're dull. All the other ladies of the court will be wild with envy, and if the child doesn't prove of use to us, we can keep her for a living pincushion. Oh, yes, that would be fine, cried the other five, and Boolooroo said, Very well, Indigo. It shall be as you desire. Then he turned to Trot and added, I present you to the six lovely snub-nosed princesses to be their slave. If you are good and obedient, you won't get your ears boxed oftener than once an hour. I won't be anybody's slave, protested Trot. I don't like these snub-nosed fussy females, and I won't have anything to do with them. 
How impudent! cried Cerulia. How vulgar! cried Turquoise. How unladylike! cried Sapphire. How silly! cried Azure. How absurd! cried Cobalt. How wicked! cried Indigo. And then all six held up their hands as if horrified. The Boolaroo laughed. You'll know how to take care of her in time, I imagine, he remarked. And if the girl isn't reasonable and obedient, send her to me, and I'll have her patched. Now then, take her away. But Trot was obstinate and wouldn't budge a step. Keep us together, your majesty, begged Captain Bill. If we're to be slaves, don't separate us, but make us all the same kind of slaves. I shall do what pleases me declared the Boolaroo angrily. Don't try to dictate, old Moonface, for there's only one royal will in Sky Island, and that's my own. He then gave a command to a soldier, who hastened away to the palace, and soon returned with a number of long blue ribbons. One he tied around Trot's waist, then attached it to six other ribbons. Each of the six snub-nosed princesses held the end of a ribbon, then they turned and marched haughtily away to the palace, dragging the little girl after them. "'Don't worry, Trot,' cried Button Bright. "'We'll get you out of this trouble pretty soon.' "'Trust us, mate,' added Captain Bill. "'We'll manage to take care of you.' "'Oh, I'm all right,' answered Trot with fine courage. "'I'm not afraid of these gawkies.' But the princesses pulled her after them, and soon they had all disappeared into one of the entrances to the blue palace. Now then, said the Boolaroo, I will instruct you two in your future duties. I shall make old Moonface. My name's Captain Bill Weedles, interrupted the sailor. I don't care what your name is. I shall call you old Moonface, replied the king, for that suits you quite well. I shall appoint you the royal nectar mixer to the court of Sky Island, and if you don't mix our nectar properly, I'll have you patched. How do you mix it, then? asked Captain Bill. I don't mix it. It's not the Boolaroo's place to mix nectar, was the stern reply. You may inquire the palace servants, and perhaps the royal chef, or the major domo will condescend to tell you. Take him to the servants' quarters, Captain Ultramarine, and give him a suit of royal livery. So Captain Bill was led away by the chief of the soldiers, and when he had gone, the king said to Button Bright, You, slave, shall be the royal boot blue. Your duty will be to keep the boots and shoes of the royal family nicely polished with blue. But I don't know how, answered Button Bright surly. You'll soon learn. The royal steward will supply you with blue paste, and when you've brushed this on our shoes, you must shine them with Q-rays of moonshine. Do you understand? No, said Button Bright. Then the Boolaroo told one of the soldiers to take the boy to the shoe-blue den and have him instructed in his duties. And the soldier promptly obeyed and dragged Button Bright away to the end of the palace where the servants lived. Chapter 7 Gip Gazizzle Proves Friendly The royal palace was certainly a magnificent building, 
with large lofty rooms and superb furnishings, all being in shades of blue, the soldier and the boy passed through several broad corridors and then came to a big hall where many servants were congregated. They were staring in bewilderment at Captain Bill, who had been introduced to them by Captain Ultramarine. Now they turned in no less surprise to examine the boy, and their looks expressed not only astonishment, but dislike. The servants were all richly attired in blue silk liveries, and they seemed disposed to resent the fact that these strangers had been added to their ranks. They scowled and muttered and behaved in a very unfriendly fashion, even after Captain Ultramarine had explained that the newcomers were merely base slaves, and not to be classed with the free royal servants of the palace. One of those present, however, showed no especial enmity to Button Bright and Captain Bill, and this blue skin attracted the boy's notice because his appearance was so strange. He looked as if he were made of two separate men, cut through the middle, and then joined together, half of one to half of the other. One side of his blue hair was curly, and the other half was straight. One ear was big and stuck out from the side of his head, while the other ear was small and flat. One eye was half shut and twinkling, while the other was big and staring. His nose was thin on one side and flat on the other, while one side of his mouth curled up and the other down. Button Bright also noticed that he limped as he walked because one leg was a trifle longer than the other, and that one hand was delicate and slender, and the other thick and hardened by use. Don't stare at him, a voice whispered in the boy's ear. Poor fellow has been patched, that's all. Button Bright turned to see who had spoken and found by his side a tall young blueskin with a blue gold chain around his neck. He was quite the best-looking person the boy had seen in Sky Island, and he spoke in a pleasant way that seemed quite friendly. But the two-sided man had overheard the remark, and he now stepped forward and said in a careless tone, Never mind. It's no disgrace to be patched in a country ruled by such a cruel Boolaroo as we have. Let the boy look at me, if he wants. I'm not pretty, but that's not my fault. Blame the Boolaroo. I'm, I'm glad to meet you, sir stammered Button Bright. What's your name, please? I'm now named Jim Fred Jones Jink, and my partner is called Fred Jim Jinks Jones. He's busy at present guarding the treasure chamber. I'll introduce you to him when he comes back. We've had the misfortune to be patched, you know. What's being patched? asked the boy. They cut two of us in halves and mismatched the halves. Half of one to half of the other, you know and then the other two halves are patched together. It destroys our individuality and makes us complex creatures, so it's the worst punishment that can be inflicted in Sky Island. Oh, said Button Bright, alarmed at such dreadful butchery. Doesn't it hurt? No, it doesn't hurt, replied Jim Fred, but it makes one frightfully nervous. They stand you under a big knife, which drops and slices you neatly in two, exactly in the middle. Then they match half of you to another person who has likewise been sliced. And there you are, patched to someone you don't even care about, and have it much interest in. If your half wants to do something, the other half is likely to want to do something different. And the funny part of it is, you don't quite know which is your half and which is the other. It's a terrible punishment in a country where one can't die or be killed until he has lived six hundred years. To be patched is a great misfortune. I'm sure it is 
said Button Bright earnestly. But can't you ever get, uh, get unpatched again? If the Boolaroo would consent, I think it could be done, Jim Fred replied. But he never will. This is about the meanest Boolaroo who has ever ruled this land, and he was the first to invent patching people as a punishment. I think we will all be glad when his three hundred years of rule are ended. When will that be? inquired the boy. Shh, 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 cried everyone in a chorus, and they all looked over their shoulders as if frightened by the question. The officer with a blue gold chain pulled Brutton Bright's sleeve and whispered, Follow me, please. And then he beckoned to Captain Bill and led the two slaves to another room where they were alone. I must instruct you in your duties, he said, when they were all comfortably seated in cozy chairs with blue cushions. You must learn how to obey the Boolaroo's commands, so he won't be angry and have you patched. How could he patch us? asked the sailor man curiously. Well, he'd just slice you all in halves and then patch half of you to the boy and half to the girl and the other half to half of you and the other half to the other half of the girl, you see. Can't say as I do, said Captain Bill, much bewildered. It would be a regular mix-up. That's what it's meant to be, explained the young officer. And seeing as we're earth folks and not natives of Sky Island, I have an idea the slicing machine would be the end of us without being patched continued the sailor. Oh, yeah, so it would, said Button Bright. While you're in this country, you can't die till you've lived six hundred years, declared the officer. Oh, said Button Bright. Well, that's different, then. But who are you, please? My name is Gip Gazizzle. Can you remember that? I can remember the zizzle, but I'm afraid the gwip, grip, glip, Gip Gazizzle, repeated the officer slowly, because if you're going to live here, you are sure to hear of me a great many times. Can you keep a secret? I can try, said Button Bright. I've kept secrets once in a while, asserted Captain Bill. Well, try to keep this one. I'm going to be the next Boolaroo of Sky Island. Good for you, cried the sailor. Wish you was the Boolaroo now, sir. But it seems you've got to wait a hundred years or more before you can take his place. Gip Gazizzle rose to his feet and paced up and down the room for a time, a frown upon his blue face. Then he halted and faced Captain Bill. Sir, he said, there lies all my trouble. I'm quite sure the present Boolaroo has reigned three hundred years next Thursday, but he claims it's only been two hundred years, and as he holds the Royal Book of Records under lock and key in the Royal Treasury, there's no way for us to prove he's wrong. Oh, said Button Bright. How old is the Boolaroo? He was two hundred years when he was elected, replied Gip Gazizzle. If he has already reigned three hundred years, as I suspect, then he's now five hundred. You see, he's trying to steal another hundred years of rule so as to remain a tyrant all his life. He don't seem as old as that, observed Captain Bill thoughtfully. Why, I'm only sixty meself, and I guess I look twice as old as your king does. We don't show our age and looks, the officer announced. I'm just about your own age, sir. Sixty-two my next birthday, but I'm sure I don't look as old as you. That's a fact, agreed Captain Bill. Then he turned to Button Bright and added, Don't that prove Sky Island is a fairy country, as I said? Oh, I've known that all along, 
The slicing and patching thing proves that. So do lots of other things. Now then, said Gipkazizzle, it seems you must mix the royal nectar, Captain Bill. You know how to do that. I'm free to say I don't, friend Sizzle. The Bolaroo is very particular about his nectar. I think he's given you this job so he can find fault with you and have you punished. But we'll have to fool him. You're strangers here, and I don't want you imposed upon. I'll send Tiggle to the royal pantry and keep him there to mix the nectar. Then, when the Boolaroo or the Queen or any of the snub-nosed princesses call for a drink, you can carry it to them, and it'll be sure to suit them. Thank you, sir, said Captain Bill. That's real kind of you. Your job, Button Bride, is easier, continued Gipkazizzle. I'm no boot black, declared the boy. Boolaroo has no right to make me do his dirty work. You're a slave, the officer reminded him, and a slave has to obey. Why? asked Button Bright. Because he can't help himself. No slave ever wants to obey, but he just has to. And it isn't dirty work at all. You don't black the royal boots and shoes, you merely blue them, with a finely perfumed blue paste. Then you shine them neatly and your task is done. You won't be humiliated by becoming a boot black. You'll be a boot blue. Well, said Button Bright, I don't see much of a difference, but maybe it's a little more respectable. Yes, the royal boot blue is considered a high official in Sky Island. You do your work at evening or early morning, and the rest of the day you're at liberty to do as you please. It won't last long, Button Bright, said Captain Bill consolingly. Something's bound to happen pretty soon, you know. I guess answered the boy. And now, remarked Gip Gazizzle, since you understand your new duties, perhaps you'd like to walk out with me and see the blue city and the glorious blue country of Sky Island. We would at that, cried Captain Bill promptly. So they accompanied their new friend through a maze of passages, where the palace was very big, and then through a high arched portal into the streets of the city. So rapid had been their descent when the umbrella landed them in the royal garden that they had not even caught a glimpse of the blue city. So now they gazed with wonder and interest at the splendid sights that met their eyes. Chapter 8 The Blue City The Blue City was quite extensive and consisted of many broad streets paved with blue marble and lined with splendid buildings of the same beautiful material. There were houses and castles and shops for the merchants, and all were prettily designed and had many slender spires and imposing turrets that rose far into the blue air. Everything was blue here, just as everything in the royal palace and the gardens, and a blue haze overhung all the city. Doesn't the sun never shine? asked Cap'n Bill. Not in the blue part of the Sky Island, replied Gip Gazizzle. The moon shines here every night, but we never see the sun. I'm told, however, that on the other side of the island, which I've never seen, the sun shines brightly, but there's no moon at all. Oh, said Button Bright. Is there another half to Sky Island? Oh, yes, the dreadful place called the Pink Country. I'm told everything there is pink instead of blue. A fearful place it must be indeed said the blueskin with a shudder. I don't know about that, remarked Captain Bill. That pink country sounds kind of cheerful to me. Is your blue country very big? Oh, it's immense, was the proud reply. 
This enormous city extends for a half mile in all directions from the center, and the country outside the city is full a half mile further in extent. That's very big, isn't it? Not very, replied Captain Bill with a smile. We've cities on Earth ten times bigger, and then some besides. We'd call this a small town in our country. Our country is thousands of miles wide and thousands of miles long. It's the great United States of America, added the boy earnestly. Gip Gazizzle seemed astonished. He was silent a moment, and then he said, Here in Sky Island we prize truthfulness very highly. Our Boolaroo is not very truthful, I admit, for he's trying to misrepresent the length of his reign, but our people, as a rule, speak only the truth. So do we, asserted Captain Bill. What Button Bright said is the honest truth, every word of it. But we've been led to believe that Sky Island is the greatest country in the universe, meaning, of course, our half of it, the blue country. It may be for you, perhaps, the sailor stated politely. And I don't imagine any island floating in the sky is any bigger. But the universe is a big place indeed, and you can't be sure of what's in all of it till you've traveled like we have. Perhaps you're right, mused the blueskin, but he still seemed to doubt them. Is the pink side of Sky Island bigger than the blue side? asked Button Bright. No, it's supposed to be the same size, was the reply. Then why haven't you ever been there? Seems to me you could walk across this whole island in an hour, said the boy. The two parts are separated by an impassable barrier, answered Gip Gazizzle. Between them lies the great fog bank. A fog bank? Why, that's no barrier at all, exclaimed Captain Bill. It is indeed, returned the blue skin. The fog bank is so thick and heavy it blinds you, and if you once got into the fog bank, you might forever wander and not find your way out again. Also, it's full of dampness, and it wets your clothes and your hair until you become miserable. It's furthermore said that those who enter the fog bank forfeit the six hundred years allowed to them to live, and are liable to die at any time. Here we don't die, you know, we merely pass away. How's that, then? asked the sailor. Isn't passing away the same as dying? No, indeed. When our six hundred years are ended, we march into the great blue grotto, through the Arch of Finnis, and are never seen again. That's queer, said Button Bright. What would happen if you didn't march through the arch? I don't know, for no one has ever refused to do it. It's the law, and we all obey. Aye, it saves funeral expenses, it does, anyhow, remarked Captain Bill. Where is this arch? Just outside the city gates. There's a mountain in the center of the Blue Island, and the entrance to the great blue grottoes at the foot of the mountain. According to our figures, the Boolaroo ought to march into this grotto a hundred years from next Thursday. But he's trying to steal a hundred years, and so perhaps he won't enter the Arch of Finnis. Therefore, if you please, be patient for about a hundred years, you'll discover what happens to one who breaks the law. Thank ye, remarked Captain Bill. Don't expect to be very curious a hundred years from now. Nor I, added Button Bright, laughing at the whimsical speech. But I don't see how the Boolaroo is able to fool you all. Can't any of you remember two or three hundred years back when he first began to rule? No, said Gip Gazizzle. That's a long time to remember. We blueskins try to forget all we can, especially whatever's unpleasant. Those who remember are usually the unhappy ones. Only those able to forget find the most joy in life. 
During this conversation, they had been walking along the streets of the Blue City, where many of the blue-skinned inhabitants stopped to gaze wonderingly at the sailor and the boy, whose strange appearance surprised them all. They were a nervous, restless people, and their egg-shaped heads, set on the ends of long, thin necks, seemed so grotesque to the strangers that they could scarcely forbear laughing at them. The bodies of these people were short and round, and their legs exceptionally long, so when a blueskin walked, he covered twice as much ground at one step as Cap'n Bill or Button Bright did. The women seemed just as repellent as the men, and Button Bright began to understand that the six snub-nosed princesses were, after all, rather better-looking than most of the females of the blue country, and so had a certain right to be proud and haughty. There were no horses, nor cows in this land, but there were plenty of blue goats, from which the people got their milk. Children tended the blue goats. We blue-skinned boys and girls, whose appearance were so comical that Button Bright laughed whenever he saw one of them. Although the natives had never before seen any human beings, made as Button Bright and Cap'n Bill were, they took a strong dislike to the strangers, and several times threatened to attack them. Perhaps, if Gip Gazizzle, who was their favorite, had not been present, they would have mobbed our friends with vicious ill-will, and might have seriously injured them. But Gip Gazizzle's friendly protection made them hold aloof. By and by they passed through a city gate, and their guide showed them the outer walls, which protected the city from the country beyond. There were several of these gates, and from their recesses stone steps led to the top of the wall. They mounted a flight of these steps, and from their elevation plainly saw the low mountain where the Arch of Finnis was located, and beyond that the thick blue-gray fog bank, which constantly rolled like billows of the ocean, and seemed really, from a distance, quite forbidding. But it wouldn't take long to get there, decided Button Bright. If you were close up, it might not be worse than any other fog. Is the pink country on the other side of it? So we're told in the Book of Records, replied Gip Gazizzle. None of us now living know anything about it, but the Book of Records calls it the Sunset Country, and says that at evening the pink shades are drowned by terrible colors of orange and crimson and golden yellow and red. Wouldn't it be horrible to be obliged to look upon such a sight? Must give the poor people who live there dreadful headaches. I'd like to see that Book of Records, mused Captain Bill, who didn't think the description of the Sunset Country at all dreadful. I'd like to see it myself returned Gip Gazizzle with a sigh. But no one can lay hands on it because the Pularoo keeps it safely locked up in his treasure chamber. Where's the key to the treasure chamber? asked Button Bright. The Pularoo keeps it in his pocket day and night. He's afraid to let anybody see the book because it might prove he has already reigned three hundred years next Thursday, and then he'd have to resign the throne to me and leave the palace and live in a common house. My magic umbrella is in that treasure chamber said Button Bright, and I'm going to try to get it. Are you? inquired Gip Gazizzle eagerly. Well, if you manage to enter the treasure chamber, be sure to bring me back the book of records. If you could do that, I'll be the best and most grateful friend you ever had. I'll see, said the boy. It ought not be too hard work to break into the treasure chamber. Is it guarded? Yes. The outside guard is Jim Fred Jinx Jones, the double patch of the Fred Jim who you met, and the inside card is a ravenous creature known as the Blue Wolf, which has 
teeth a foot long and as sharp as needles. Oh, said Button Bright. But never mind the blue wolf. I must manage to get my umbrella somehow or other. They now walked back to the palace, still objects of much curiosity to the natives, who sneered at them and mocked them, but dared not interfere with their progress. At the palace they found that dinner was about to be served in the big dining hall of the servants and dependents and household officers of the royal Boulderoo. Gip Gazizzle was major domo and master of ceremonies, so he took his seat at the end of the long table and placed Captain Bill on one side of him and Button Bright on the other, to the great annoyance of the other blueskins present, who favored the strangers with nothing pleasanter than envious scowls. The Boulderoo and his queen and daughters, the six snub-nosed princesses, dined in the formal state in the banquet hall, where they were waited upon by favorite soldiers of the royal bodyguard. Here in the servants' hall there was one vacant seat next to Button Bright, which was reserved for Trot, but the little girl had not yet appeared, and the sailor man and the boy were beginning to become uneasy about her. <laughs>